Hello there. My name is Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. In late 2009, I received a request from Dr Sven Hilly, a marine biologist at the Leibniz Institute for Baltic Sea Research, for the loan of some on-the-water video demonstrations concerning warrior boats. I was also asked if I could change the captions from English to German, which Sven kindly provided for me. The films were subsequently showed over in Germany at a boat show, which also features Sven's own Warrior 165, which he just kitted out specifically for Baltic Sea trolling, which is his speciality. Some time later, Sven invited me to fly over to Hamburg, pick up a train to his hometown of Rostock where he would meet me, then head over to the village of Schaproda on the Baltic island of Rügen to fish the April 2010 trolling competition, to which I immediately agreed. But unfortunately, as it would turn out, April 2010 was not a good time for air travel, as volcanic ash drifting south from Iceland completely closed much of Europe's airspace, leaving me stranded down in southern Spain. And when I did finally make it home by bus and train, our competition plans for a few days later were also left in tatters. That said, once the ash cloud threat was lifted, we hurriedly set about making new plans during May before the salmon trolling season came to a close. It was late afternoon when we finally arrived at Shaproda, with the wind howling at around 70 kilometres per hour. Even so, we still managed to grab a few windswept, reasonably sheltered hours tucked up inside the small island of Hidden Sea, just outside of the harbour at Shaproda, fishing for, of all things, pike, which are both common and can grow huge in this part of the Baltic Sea. And with the wind dying away overnight, allowing us to head out into more open water the following day, we quickly added cod, salmon, sea trout and garfish to the list. For someone like me, who's more used to a physical separation between marine and freshwater species here in the UK, it can be a real job getting your head around the fact that pike, cod, sea trout and salmon are all a possibility on the same day, using the same tackle and in the same area of water. So to help set the scene, let me first welcome Sven and ask, can you give us an overview as to why this is possible and how speciation and fish mixing occur in the way it does in your corner of the Baltic Sea? It's no problem. So the Baltic Sea is a very, very special sea. So it consists of a mixture of uh, both freshwater and seawater. So the seawater originates from the North Sea, and the freshwater is discharged mainly by rivers. And when they mix up, they build the so-called brackish water. And in the deeper parts of the Baltic Sea, let's say 30 meters and uh, deeper, you have stratification. You have the lower saline water on top and the higher saline water at the bottom or closer to the bottom. And in between you have a so-called halocline. That means in a very short distance the salinity rises significantly. And this physical border also prevents ventilation or the transport of oxygen to the deep waters. And the only way to get oxygen into the deeper waters is inflow of new fresh uh, seawater from the North Sea and uh, as uh, salinity in the, in the Baltic Sea differs also a lot both with respect to if you look into the depths then you have decreasing well, inflow from the entrance of the Baltic Sea towards east and further north then the salinity decreases also in surface waters as you are getting away from the source for the salt water. 
and the Baltic Sea has salinities in the range of one per mil in the northernmost basins and in the western Baltic we have salinities reaching values up to 25 per mil and that is still lower than in the, in the ocean. In the ocean we have 35 per mil. So the special situation with the brackish water means that also the fish inhabiting the Baltic Sea originates both from the sea and from fresh water. This is the reason why we can have also a mixture of both seawater and freshwater fish in the same area. And the particular spot where we have been fishing close to the island of Rügen has a salinity of about 10 per mil. And in those waters it actually happens that you have pike, cod, sea trout and salmon in the same area at the same places. So presumably, with fresh water floating on top of the more saline water, in shallow areas, and in particular the lagoon between Shaproder and Hidden Sea, the water will be almost entirely fresh, which should suit the pike more than the exclusively marine species such as cod, which will be slightly further off where the water is deeper and separates. That's right, so there is a separation by depths. So we observed that the pike will not travel further into the Baltic Sea than 10 meters water depths. As in deeper waters you have higher salinities, they reach values higher than 10 per mil, and those waters are not suitable for pike. So the mixture of the seawater and freshwater fish we usually get in the more shallow near coastal waters. Yeah, that's true. But presumably, at salinity crossover points, there can also be species overlaps. Yeah, that happens regularly to us if we get this species mix uh, on a single fishing day. Now before we get into the actual fishing techniques used in the Baltic, which I have to say were totally alien, not only to me, but will also be to most other UK boat anglers too, I would like to point out that anglers from your particular part of the world have had to learn these techniques very quickly, which clearly you've done well because offshore sea angling was not possible along this stretch of the German Baltic coast prior to 1989. Yeah, until 1989, so Germany was separated in an eastern and a western part. And I come from the eastern part, which belong to the East Bloc countries. And in this country called GDR, German Democratic Republic, so traveling for people was very much restricted. So people were not allowed to travel to Western countries. The only countries we were allowed to travel was Poland, Czech Republic, Hungary. So that was yeah, very limited excess of countries where we were allowed to go. Yeah, the administration was maybe afraid that people will leave the country to settle over to West Germany, for instance, or to go to Denmark or to Sweden. And for this reason, so they did not allow people doing what they would like to do in the areas close to the border. And also the, the, or the, the sea coast in Germany was a border, and hence we were not allowed to do sea fishing, with some exceptions. So some fishing clubs owned uh, boats, but uh, not everybody could join, even being member on the uh, in the fishing club. That was not enough. So you had to apply for a special yeah, permission to get the permission to go to, with the boat uh, sea fishing, and you had to pass uh, border control and leave your passport behind when going out fishing. And fishing was only allowed in some special areas. So they 
showed you where you are allowed to fish so that nobody could <laughs> escape. So small boat fishing was very unfamiliar to all of us and we had to learn a lot and what I did was I spent my holidays most time in Denmark and in Denmark uh, people were very keen on sea fishing and very much skilled and so I could easily pick up how to perform sea fishing just while exchanging with uh, Danish anglers and so it took only a few years so to get to know how to handle a boat and which tackle uh, has to be used and things like this. Then step by step also people in northeastern Germany got their own boats and rigged them up for fishing and uh, I think we, we did very well and maybe that was is also related to the good uh, conditions we have. We have lots of fish which we can target to fish and so the success came not easily but the success was achieved uh, very fast and that was a further motivation for us to keep going this uh, way. But small boating in particular seems to have caught on in your corner of the Baltic. Why then do you think that is? I think small boat fishing provides uh, lots of independence. So if you need to hire uh, a charter boat or so, in, in this case you would be stick to yeah, departure times. You cannot decide on your own where to go, so then you depend on the charter captain. And if you have your own boat, then you can choose your fishing places yourself and so you're more flexible with having your own boat. Yeah, this is what drives more and more people into small boat fishing, just to have their own boats to be independent. You also have guided small boat fishing over here for visitors and newcomers, which is something we in the UK lack. Yeah, guiding fishing has been established in the past, let's say, 10 years in our region. And this provides options for people new to sea or small boat fishing just to get a first insight into this kind of fishing. While being on a guiding boat, so you can easily pick up uh, the tackle they use and the places where they fish around the year. And that is a good uh, point to start with when you decide to purchase your own boat collect some experience before with some other boats like guiding boat. What I recommend to everybody interested in getting his own boat. So you would recommend fishing from a guided boat not only for UK visitors to Rügen but also for German anglers so as to learn the boat angling, tackle requirements and fishing marks. Yeah, I do 100% agree. Finally, you will also save money it may sound strange as first you have to pay for it and guiding boat takes you maybe yeah, three to four hundred euro a day but you will avoid making mistakes with getting the wrong tackle or investing into the wrong boat and uh, I think it's really worse to spend the money first for, for guiding boats just to figure out if it's really what you would like to do I think it's getting more and more popular. I think if you compare to Denmark, which has a much longer tradition in small boat fishing, then it's maybe only maybe 20% of the fishermen population owning their own boat. So if you said Denmark as 100%, then we have still some potential in, in this way. I, I think it's, uh, it becomes more and more popular in Germany. 
And what you also have is plenty of fish-rich sheltered waters, which also helps encourage small boat ownership. That's right. So the, we have very nice fishing waters, and I would say the, the inner coastal waters around the island of Rügen are very famous for its pike fishing. And I think there is hardly any other place on, on our planet which provides the same quality pike fishing. And we have pike specialists from all over Europe, or let's say all over uh, the world, coming to our region to fish for the, for the big uh, pikes. And also salmon fishing became more and more popular in spring and uh, also in winter time and uh, we have also visitors from countries which have no access to the sea so maybe from i know some guys from switzerland they come every year for one or two weeks fishing salmon in the baltic sea and they need to travel 1200 kilometers to come to to our place and that shows that there's uh, lots of interest from fishermen from abroad to fish in in our waters and all of these fish can be caught just fishing with different types of lures and methods of presentation. In the open Baltic Sea, so when we are targeting for salmon and sea trout, so the most efficient way is uh, trawling. As this is the only way where you can cover lots of water because you spread your lures both horizontally and vertically. And if you would do spin fishing or cast fishing, so then you would need maybe 10 or 20 much uh, as time to cover the same waters. And so I think the only or the best way to, to fish for, for sea trout and salmon is trawling fishing. I think everybody having a boat could easily adapt the boat to make it suitable for trawling. And you don't need special equipment like downriggers. So the main or the what you need most urgently are very stable rod holders just to prevent rods falling into the sea when you have a massive strike of a big trout or, or salmon. But I would say basically or it's very essential to have good rod holders and then maybe some devices with bring your lure to some meter of water depth, but you could simply use some lead balls and it's not much money you need to spend for, for those. So for the beginning, I think you can, for a few euro or pounds, you can have some fishing tackle which allows you to catch sea trout and salmon. And if you don't want to get involved in the offshore trolling, there are still plenty of fish to be caught. Yeah, that's for sure, for fishing pike and also for cod fishing. So the main method in our waters is cast fishing. And you need just some some soft lures or some perks or some spoons. And then you can fish uh, cod and pike, I think, in the same way as you do for pikes in your lake or for cod in your coastal waters. So, and even fishing with uh, worms or with other yeah, with bait fish for cod, as you do in your waters, should also work in our waters. So that's uh, for sure. And you could take the same tackle and don't need to invest into special rods or reels or whatever for fishing the Baltic Sea. And for the strictly freshwater angler, it is possible to aim all your intentions at them with fish of 30 pounds and bigger being regularly caught. It's possible for sure. So if you're only interested in fishing pikes, then I will recommend to stay inshore, just in the lagoons, 
as uh, there are the other fish are only r rarely in those waters. The, as mentioned in the beginning, so pike may be in the Baltic uh, in water depths up to 10 meters. And if you stick close to the shore and don't exceed water depths of 10 meters, so then it's more likely to run into a pike than into cod. So if you would like to catch for cod, so then I would recommend to go to some wrecks which are shown on your sea chart. Just have a look on the sea chart and look where the wrecks are positioned and then just go to the, these spots and try yeah, just vertical fishing for cods. And if you like to catch the salmon or the big sea trout, then I would suggest to go to the open Baltic Sea to the deep water, maybe 30 to 40 meter water depths. So doing this you could separate a little the fish which you may expect to, to get onto your hooks. That's for the bigger sea trout, but I understand there are plenty of smaller specimens too closer into shore, all along the more exposed areas of coast. That's right, so the sea trout tends to be present also in the more shallow water, but the salmon prefers deeper waters. But uh, this is uh, not a rule, so there might be some exceptions. So I remember a fisherman having caught a 15 kilo salmon just in 10 meters of water. But usually you get more sea trouts and more smaller sea trouts in the more shallow parts closer to the shore. So if you go to the open seas, then you can expect higher numbers and also bigger salmon. I suppose a good example of a salmon being anywhere was um, Uli Schneider. Ulrich Schneider, yes. And he'd gone out initially with the intention of fishing for pike. Yeah. But came back in with the biggest salmon of the week. And what a good story that was. Uh, in the morning we met with uh, Ulrich and he was not really sure where to go. And he had a mixture of rods and reels and was prepared for both pike and uh, salmon fishing. And what he did, he just, yeah, based on the information we had from the previous day, or from, from the day before, we guided him to a place where he could expect good salmon fishing. And so he followed our suggestion, went out to the place, and also he also used uh, rods which are not suitable for salmon fishing, I would say. It was a telescopic rod, I remember, and a fixed spool reel. And it happens that the big salmon exceeding 21 kilo, I remember. And this fish took the spoon on this uh, telescopic rod paired with a fixed uh, spool reel. And he had an incredible fight and the tip of the rod broke and it took three attempts to get the fish netted. But that shows, so if you have some luck, then you can also with some sheep or not proper tackle, you can catch fish but so I would never recommend going out with telescopic rods and fixed spool reels to go for salmon as it may happen that you get only one chance a day that you get only one strike and then you should be prepared to have the right tackle to be uh, finally successful and yeah that is just a recommendation. So give us your personal recommendation for rods, reels and lines. Well, let's start with the reels. So I would uh, strongly recommend multiplier reels, so like the 
from the Swedish company ABU, I think, ABU. ABU. I would recommend uh, the ABU 7000. That is big enough to host maybe 300 meters of 0.4 millimeter nylon line. And for beginners, I would highly recommend nylon line as this line provides some stretch and makes it easier for you to play with the fish. So some experts recently changed also to braided lines, but I'm afraid that beginners could have problems with using braided lines. So I would suggest starting with, with nylon lines. And then there are special yeah, trawling rods. They are not really expensive, so you get good ones for maybe 50 euro. But I would also recommend just to, to go with a set of rods which have the same length as that minimizes the risk to get tangles in the in the line. If you have different sized rods, then it may happen more easily that the lines of different rods get tangled. And yeah, I think that is everything you need with respect to reels, rods and line. Now for the skillful, complicated bit. The various items of trolling gadgetry to give you the biggest spread of lures both horizontally as well as vertically, and all without them tangling with each other. Okay, let's start with the separation of lines. So, so on my boat, so I can easily fish 10 to 12 rods in parallel without getting, let's say, too much tangle. So it may happen sometimes that you get tangle particularly if you have uh, multiple strikes, so if not only one salmon takes a spoon, but maybe two or three or five or even more. So then it regularly happens that you get some tangle, but during the normal fishing situation, tangles are very rare. And how to achieve this is quite simple, as you need to spread them both vertically and horizontally. For the vertical spreading, we use so-called downriggers, and the downriggers uh, provide you the unique option to set the fishing lines on a predefined depth. So, if you like to have your lures running 30, 40, 50, 60 feet, then you can lower your lead ball into that depth where you would like to fish your fishing line and you can can attach as many other lines as you like but in reality it's only possible maybe to have three lines fished on a single downrigger and you have so-called stacker clips which attach the line release clip to the metal wire which is on the spool of the of the downrigger and at the end of this uh, wire you have the, the weight which pulls all your stuff into the depths. And to have the spreading horizontally, we uh, use so-called side planners. How to explain side planners? It's uh, devices which have shape which allow the side planners to pull aside when you put them out of the boat and the boat uh, is steaming then the side planners track aside just due to its shape. Yeah, it's rather like flying a kite, which instead of going up, goes sideways away from the boat as the boat moves forward, causing the force of water acting against the bend in the metal to act rather like a rudder, specifically angled to make it do just that. 
Actually, if my memory serves me right, you use two on each side of the boat at different distances, with clips for the line to take the lure well away from the boat. It's like fishermen do with their trawling nets. They also spread aside. You can describe it like wings, and the wings go out either left or right hand side. And they also stay on the surface. This is right, so you have uh, the, the buoyancy is provided by foam, and then you have a metal fin or metal keel, and on the side planer is a clip installed which keeps the fishing line until a fish strikes. So when the fish strikes, the line is going to be released, and you have another small hook which is uh, used as a safety hook so that the side planer always is uh, attached to your fishing line. And when you fight the fish, then the side planer is always connected to your, to your fishing line. And so that means that you get back of the side planner when you have your fish or your, your spoon back on board. The only difference with the clips on side planners and the downrigger is the size. The clips used on downriggers are much bigger compared to those used on the side planners. And what sorts of distances then can side planners take a lure away from the boat? The side planners may travel maybe 30, 40, even 50 meters aside the boat. And that means so if you have on the one side 50 meters aside and on the other side also 50 meters then you have a coverage already of 100 meters. And then you have the option just to yeah, offer lures from, from the very surface if you only attach some, or you, you can just uh, offer spoons maybe of 20 grams and they just fish on the surface. But then also you can attach some weight in front of your lures on your side planners and they may dive between 1 and 10 meters to also have the horizontal coverage and on your downriggers you can go as deep as uh, the bottom and that means you can cover from the very surface to maybe 30-40 meter depths. That shows you that you have an incredible coverage of water so you look both aside and in different depths at the same time and you can offer at the same time different lures so in the beginning of a fishing day so when I'm not sure which is a preferred color or a spoon type. So then I tend to fish different colored uh, spoons and different uh, shaped uh, spoons just to figure out which is yeah, the top uh, lure of the day. That's the gadgetry to get the lures to where they need to be. But what about the lures themselves? Basically, so they are very famous lures coming from the US. But there are also some, has been established some, some companies in Scandinavian uh, countries which produce fantastic uh, lures for trawling. And you can divide those first into the yeah, material used for producing them. So they can be divided in some made of plastic and others made of metal. The most famous plastic spoons are the so-called Apex and Apex is from the US and available in sizes maybe from 3 inch to 7 inch and those look like shoehorn and the spoon, the Apex, looks very similar just a piece of plastic and if you have a look first then you can't imagine how it uh, behaves in water but it behaves that uh, salmon and sea trout uh, really like it 
and with spoons you can separate between the spoons which have the shape like a, a spoon and those which are smaller uh, at the edges and both provide different uh, running patterns and you can't say the one is better than the other you just need to figure out on a on two days on the one day they may like the one better and on the other day they prefer uh, the opposite so it's very hard to say that is a top uh, lure it just needs to be figured out day by day but with respect to colors it's always good to offer different colors in the beginning of a fishing day just to figure out which color they like best there are some rules saying that you have maybe in if you have clear water then you should stick to more natural colors and if you have turbid water then you should may use some more bright colors like the uh, famous uh, fire tiger design but it happens regularly that also the opposite works better than what are claimed as uh, rules i think that changes from year to year but this year it turned out that a color which was very similar to uh, how a sand eel is colored so that, that was olive green and that turned out to be at least on on our boat to, to be the the most productive lure in this season so at the end so we only had uh, this color on all of our rods and we did really well and had a nice uh, fishing this uh, spring but last year i remember we also had some nice fishing with fire tiger but we had also good days just with the blue silver color so which looked more like a herring maybe and i think that that changes quickly the preferences of the fish but also the preferences of the fishermen so it's very hard to say just this color is uh, the best for forever that is not possible i would say and are there any alternatives here to simply fishing with spoons some other fishermen prefer to fish with bait fish for fishing with bait fish they use bait heads where they attach the fish to and when moving the bait fish through the water it runs like a natural fish and this is particularly important or a suitable method particularly at low water temperatures when it's also recommended to fish the lures at a low speed and this is a time where fishermen offering bait fish are better prepared for having good catches of fish if you finally succeeded at getting a big fish on your trawling lures then it's also very important to have the proper landing gear with you so i warmly recommend you to have a big landing net available this can be the biggest one you can get hold of and of course another factor here is water depth because while you can catch big sea trout mixing amongst the salmon in terms of numbers they are actually better fish for elsewhere so trawling fishermen normally target for the big salmon when fishing off rügen usually they are heading out towards the 30 meters counter and putting out the lures and start fishing this water depths you can also expect to catch bigger sea trouts as they are mixed among the salmon but if you focus on fishing for sea trouts i would recommend to stay closer ashore in more shallow water let's say water depths between 5 and 10 meters generally the tactic for fishing salmon and sea trout is the same 
maybe some smaller lures are advised when specially fishing for, for sea trout. Now obviously when trolling, the boat stays on the move from the moment you leave the harbour until you get back. So what specific thinking have you to put into your outfit choice with trolling in mind? Kitting out the boat for trawling requires at first proper rod holders. I would suggest to choose one made of stainless steel. And professional fishermen which regularly fish for salmon in the Baltic Sea have also downriggers attached to their boats. And normally they are detachable and can be taken off the boat when other fishing is done on the boat. For all day trawling It's also a good idea to have an autopilot which keeps the course and gives the captain the time just to play the fish and don't take care for steering the boat. Having a boat for trawling it's also very important to have the proper outboard engine fitted to the back of the boat. And the only way to, to go is to have the economical modern four-stroke engines fitted. On my Warrior 165 I have a Suzuki DF80 which gives a perfect uh, combination and it runs all day with less than 1000 revs which gives you a speed of around 1.5 to 2.5 knots and while doing trawling at that speed the engine takes about 1 liter fuel per hour. When heading towards the fishing marks or heading back to the harbor, I usually don't exceed 4,000 revs. At that, the engine pushes the boat forward with a speed of 20 knots. And at this speed, the engine runs also very economical. So with 25 liters of fuel, I may travel 75 to 100 kilometers depending on other factors which also affect the fuel usage like wind and waves and water currents. Although it would be quite a major undertaking trailing a boat across the Rugen from the UK, one big plus this corner of the Baltic has to offer over venues such as Ireland is that when you get there, as was demonstrated during my visit, regardless of what the weather throws up pretty much, you can at least get the boat on the water and realistically expect to catch something. Well, weather needs to be also considered when planning fishing trips in our regions. There are good weather forecasts available, which gives you a good impression on how the weather will be developed over the coming two to three days. Up to a force four, we go out to the Baltic Sea. If the wind is stronger, we tend to fish inside the lagoon, as they provide a good shelter from the elements. If the wind is even stronger, There is an alternative fishing for sea trout along the long coastline from Rügen Island. Another problem which might occur which is related to weather is ice. Ice is normally not a big issue in the southern Baltic Sea, but in the last two winters we had very strong winters cold temperatures from December to the beginning of March. And from end of December to beginning of March we had ice almost all of the lagoons and that made it impossible for us to go out to the Baltic Sea fishing for salmon and sea trout. There are also some other fish species available which might be of interest for fishermen. But one should know that the number of fish species is comparatively low compared to other marine areas and that is related to the brackish water conditions we have in the Baltic Sea. 
We can also fish for herring all year round, let's say. In summer we have mackerel and the garfish and we have different species of flatfish in our waters. And those are fish which are common in the Baltic Sea. If you look into the lagoons then we have a good fishing for pike, perch and sunder and that is also very attractive as the pike grow to very big sizes and fishermen even from abroad come to our region to fish for the brackish pikes and also for the nice sander. So whether an ice allowing then, what is the main time for fishing for salmon and sea trout? Okay, for salmon and sea trout, so winter and spring, let's say from the season opens on December 15th and lasts until let's say beginning of May or mid-May cod you could fish all year round so if weather conditions allow you going out to the Baltic Sea then you should be able to catch cod in good numbers and sizes maybe except to periods where they are on their spawning ground so during that time that's in, in winter so end of February to end of March so I would uh, recommend or suggest to everybody just to go for other fish than for, for cod. For pike, it's also possible to catch all year round. So you have a very good uh, period in the beginning of May, just when the season opens. And you have nice fishing in summer, in autumn and also in winter time. So that is maybe also good to know that even in, in summer time, so there's very nice fishing for pike as usually people assume that pike is a fish mainly for autumn or for winter fishing. That's not the case in our waters, particularly in summer. So they make much or give you much better fights when the water is significantly warmer than in, in autumn or in winter time. Besides the fishing approach in terms of species mixing equipment, there is also one other area where Germany certainly differs from the UK, that being the requirement to buy a sea fishing license. In Germany the rules are that you need to pass a written exam to be allowed to be an angler. And if you manage to get hold of the exam, then you get a document which uh, proves that you are an angler and this is a fundament to, to be allowed to, to purchase fishing licenses. But for people from abroad there are some special rules so you can purchase a, a tourist license which can be purchased for about 20 euros and this document is valid for four weeks and you can purchase it, it uh, yeah, several times a year. And having this you are allowed to purchase fishing licenses for water where you are interested to fish. The fishing license for the Baltic Sea takes uh, only 20 euros a year. But if you would like to fish on some lakes then the prices may, may differ as they depend from the owner of the lakes and they can make their own pricing. If I was ever asked what the best way of fishing the area was for a foreign visitor, I would say to book one of the small guided boats to fish the trolling tournament to ensure you get shown just exactly what's required and how all the equipment is handled. Yeah, that's a good idea. So I also would recommend to go with a, with a guided boat first and maybe also to join the trolling competitions as 
in, in this case you have the chance to meet other people having the same interests and to share experiences and I think with joining the trawling competition so you will gain experience which you could uh, yeah, collect your own maybe during one or two years if you make everything by your own. Also the guiding companies offer uh, that you can fish the competitions in company of the guides and I think that would be really worth considering when going fishing the Baltic salmon for, for the very first time. I think the price is about 70 or 80 euro and that includes some meals and some starter kits you get some lures and some some other items uh, as, a, as a starter kit and at the end there's usually a yeah, closing event which takes place in a nice hotel with a nice dinner and uh, with handing over of the prices and the prices are very different from year to year this year my friend won the competition and he caught a salmon weighing close to 22 kilos and he won a Yamaha outboard 5 horsepower that is that shows that you get no money but you get some you know, some tackle or some items which you need for for doing uh, fishing in the in the Baltic Sea but the prices also depends on the sponsors which contribute to the competitions and so that is uh, the changes from, from year to year. And when does that take place? The competition usually takes place end of April. I think we can provide some links giving the, the web pages from the, from the guiding companies and uh, on the website there are all information on the dates and on the rules and the application documents. Everything is available on the website. And what is the price structure? They have prices both for the biggest sea trout and for the biggest salmon. But they have also another, I think the third price is devoted to the team which caught uh, most fish. And I think that is even yeah, more challenging to catch several nice fish. Just to catch a big fish that depends mainly on luck. But the team competition think that is the most uh, challenging one, at least for, for me. <laughs> Out of curiosity now, what was the biggest salmon ever brought to the competition scales? I think the biggest uh, ever caught during the competition was the one from my friend this year and this fish was 22 kilos and in the other years so the, the biggest fish was uh, always in the range of 12 to 17 kilos. Having fished the area with Sven, though not as part of a trolling competition, which wasn't possible as I said earlier due to the closure of European airspace at the time, I can vouch for the quality of both the fishing and the venue. I would, however, like to reiterate the point that while it would be possible to trail your own boat there, in the same way as doing so to some of the bigger Irish competitions, it would also be advisable to out on a guided boat first to get some handle on the where, when and how. All that remains now is to thank Sven for his contribution and to commend him for his excellent self-taught English, which while thinking on your feet for an interview such as this, even when English is your native language, is never easy. 